This podcast is a presentation of Sunset Presbyterian Church. For more information, log on to our website at www.sunsetpres.org. Good morning, everybody. Well, we are beginning a new sermon series on Leviticus. Finally! <laughs> and I'm going to be looking at highlights from the book of Leviticus. Leviticus is the third book of the Torah. The Torah is also called the law. It refers to the first five books of the Bible. Leviticus, it contains no journey, unlike in Exodus where there's this epic journey out of Egypt. It contains little narrative, unlike Genesis where we read stories about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. It, it depicts only one month in the life of Israel. Yet it is the central book of the Torah. In biblical literature, the writers often use chiastic structure. Chi is the Greek letter that looks like the letter X. And the most important idea would be in the middle of that X. So the Torah has only five books. Leviticus then means that Leviticus is the third book. It is the central book of of the law, of the Torah, that means that Leviticus is the central, most important book of the Torah. And by the way, can you guess of all the Old Testament books, what was the book that, what book did traditional Jewish education begin with? Any guesses? Of all the books. Any wild guesses out there? (laughs) Let me hear it. You got it. I mean, isn't it amazing? Your little kid. Hey, come on. Let's study Leviticus, the sacrifices, and all the cleanliness stuff. They started with Leviticus. The ce- and the central theme of this central book is holiness. Leviticus is a meditation on holiness and how we become holy. So I thought that we'd begin this series by showing a six-minute video on the theme of holiness Uh, It's by the Bible Project. I hope you enjoy it. You've probably heard the word holy before, or at least sang it in a church song once or twice. And for most people, this idea is really just connected to being a morally good person. So God is holy because he's morally perfect. Yeah, that is part of it. But in the Bible, the idea of holiness is even bigger and more rich. What it's really describing is how God is the creative force behind the whole universe. He's the one and only being with the power to make a world full of such beauty and life. And so all these abilities, they make God utterly unique, which is the meaning of the word holy. So a helpful way to think about God's holiness is by using the sun as a metaphor. The sun is unique, at least within our solar system, and it's really powerful. It's the source of all this beautiful life on our planet. And so you could say that the sun is holy. And you can actually take this metaphor even further in that the whole area around the sun is also holy. Yeah, because the closer you get to the sun, the more intense it gets. Yeah, exactly. So that very power and goodness that generates all this life is also dangerous. I mean, the sun, if you get too close, will annihilate you. And in the same way, there's this paradox at the heart of God's own holiness. Because if you're impure, his presence is dangerous to you. And not because it's bad, but because it's so good. And so the first time we see this paradox of God's holiness, it's in the story of Moses and the burning bush. So God tells Moses to take off his sandals because he's standing on holy ground. 
and Moses covers his face in fear, and God says, hey, don't come any closer. It's intense. It's actually that intensity of God's holiness that's explored even more in the stories about Israel's temple, which was the main place where God's holy presence was located. And at the center of the temple was this room called the Most Holy Place, this the hot spot of God's presence. And whether you're an Israelite living in the land around the temple or a priest working right in the temple, you're in proximity to God's holy presence, which is dangerous. Yeah, this is a problem. So how's it supposed to work? Well, in the Bible, the solution is that you need to become pure. So like being morally pure. Yeah, and that's easy enough to understand. But the Bible spends a lot of time talking about another kind of purity being ritually pure, which is a state where you separate yourself from anything related to death, like touching things like diseased skin or dead bodies or even certain bodily fluids. All these make you impure. And becoming ritually impure isn't necessarily sinful. What's wrong is waltzing into God's presence when you're in an impure state. And so that's why God gave the Israelites very clear instructions for knowing when they were impure, steps to become pure, so that they could go into the temple again. So that's what the book of Leviticus is about. Right. But it doesn't stop there. This idea keeps developing. So later in the scriptures, we find this really interesting story by a prophet named Isaiah. And he has this crazy vision where he's in the temple and he's right in God's presence. He's totally terrified. Yeah, he knows the rules. He shouldn't even be in there. And he's worried about being destroyed. And then this crazy creature called a seraphim. Yeah, that is a crazy creature. <laughs> totally. So it flies over with a hot coal, and then it sears Isaiah's lips with the coal and says something really weird. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. So this burning coal somehow makes Isaiah pure. Yeah, it's remarkable because normally if you touch something impure, it transfers its impurity to you. But now here's this new idea where you have this coal, this very holy and pure object, and it touches Isaiah and it transfers its purity to him. Isaiah is not destroyed by God's holiness. He's transformed by it. I mean, the implications of this are just huge. But there's one more development. This time from another prophet, Ezekiel. And he has this vision where he's standing at the temple and he sees water trickling out from it. And then that water turns into a stream and then it grows into a deep river that starts flowing through the desert, leaving this trail of green trees behind it. And then it flows into the Dead Sea, making everything fresh and alive. So instead of becoming pure first and then going into the temple, here God's holiness comes out from the temple, making things pure and bringing them to life. What does it all mean? So we don't know until we meet this man, Jesus. And he claims that he's fulfilling all of these ancient visions, but in surprising new ways. So Jesus, he went around touching people who are impure, people with skin diseases, a, a woman with chronic bleeding or dead people. And when he touches them, their impurity should transfer over to Jesus. But instead, Jesus' purity transfers to them and actually heals their bodies. Jesus is like that holy coal in Isaiah's vision. Right. And Jesus claimed that he was the human embodiment of God's own holiness and that he and his followers were now God's temple so that through them, God's holy presence would go out into the world and bring life and healing and hope. And so this is why Jesus described his followers as having streams of living water flowing out of them. So this is our part of the story where we find ourselves now, but 
Where's this all heading? So the last pages of the Bible end with a final vision about God's holiness. And this time it's by a guy named John. And in his vision, we see the whole world made completely new. The entire earth has become God's temple. And Ezekiel's river is there, flowing out of God's presence, immersing all of creation, removing all impurity, and bringing everything back to life. Isn't that a great video? Uh, today, I'm going to be highlighting that main theme in Leviticus, which is holiness. And you see that run through the whole Bible being fulfilled in Jesus. So if you uh, are here today and you long for a calling in life, if you long for a calling, a mission, a purpose, Leviticus is the book for you. Uh, if you long to be special, to be unique, to be different, to be not like everybody else. If you long for that, Leviticus is the book for you. It teaches us, not only gives us a calling, but it teaches us how to be utterly unique. So let's pray and ask the Lord to, to be with us in this series. Have, Holy, Holy Father, Holy Father, this is a holy place set apart to worship you. So we thank you f that your holy presence is here. Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? As we look at this theme of holiness, would you help us to learn from this holy book so that we can understand our calling to be holy just as you're holy? In Jesus' holy name we pray. And all God's people said, well, before we look at the theme of holiness, let's look at the context. Why was Leviticus written in the first place? And with that question in mind, we need to go back to Exodus. God gave the nation of Israel a mission statement, uh, a unique calling. Isn't that interesting? I mean, what's the mission statement of the U.S. or any nation? You don't see like a mission for the nation, but God gives that to the nation of Israel. So after God delivered Israel out of slavery in Egypt, God brings them to himself on Mount Sinai. And Israel, as you can see on the picture, they're camped at the base of the mountain. And then Moses goes up to God and God calls him. And this is what he said. He says, you shall be to me a what? A priest and a, a kingdom of priests. That is God's unique calling to Israel, that they be a kingdom of priests. And a holy nation. And Leviticus is the key to understanding that calling. The English title Leviticus actually is one Greek word that essentially means matters concerning the Levites. Now, the Levites were from the tribe of Levi. Levi was the third son of Jacob and Leah. Uh, so the title makes you think it's about the Levites. But when you read Leviticus, it's mostly talking about the priests. And that's why the rabbinical Hebrew title for Leviticus is actually the law of the priests. Because much of the book is about the work of the priests um, who came from the tribe of Levi. All priests are Levites, but not all Levites are priests. But the Hebrew title is different. The, the traditional Hebrew title is He Called. It's the first word of the book. And I love this title. Leviticus is all about calling. 
God called Israel to be a kingdom of priests. God called Israel to be a holy nation. He called. He called. And that's how Leviticus begins. Let's look at the opening verse. He called. It's actually one word. The Lord called is one word. He called Moses and spoke to him, Moses, from the tent of meeting. Remember, God was at the top of Mount Sinai. He commanded Israel to build the the tabernacle so he could live with them. And then in Exodus, they build the tabernacle. At the end of Exodus, his glory comes into the tabernacle. So now God is living in the tent of meeting. He's dwelling in the middle of where they lived. Now notice, it says, God who is in the tent of meeting calls Moses from outside the tent. So Moses is outside the tent. And that opening verse of Leviticus is what Leviticus is all about. How do we get from outside of the tent inside the tent? In other words, how do we draw ourselves closer to God? How do we come close into his presence? So Leviticus 1, Moses is outside the tent, but then by the end of Leviticus... And the beginning of Numbers, it says back on that screen, and the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. Where is he now? Inside. And that's what Leviticus is all about. Moses is outside of God's holy presence. And then Leviticus helps us to become more holy so that we can come into the holy presence of God. Is that not beautiful? I think it's beautiful. What a beautiful name it is. So the title is He Called. God is calling Moses and Israel, but what is he calling them to? And here we begin. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all of the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy. Can you say that with me? You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And then later he goes on and he says, consecrate or make yourself holy, therefore, and be holy. Consecration means to just make yourself holy. So you're to make, we're to somehow make ourselves holy and then be holy. So you see this word holy woven throughout the book. The Hebrew word is kadosh. Uh, By the way, I asked 11-year-old Levi Vandergeesen, what does it mean to be holy? And he says, someone who has holes. Yes. But the Hebrew word for holy is different. Hebrew word for holy simply means to be set apart, to be unique. We mystify this word, but it simply means to be set apart. This word occurs 92 times. The root occurs 152 times in words like consecrated, sanctified, set apart, holy, separated. You see all these words, they're all rooted in this word holy. So the central idea of Leviticus is that we are called to be holy. But how do we become holy? That's what this book is all about. Today's sermon is going to be just an introduction to the whole series. And I first want to start by showing you how the book of Leviticus is structured. It's written, as most writings, literature in the Bible is written in a chiastic structure, so the most important part is going to be in the middle. 
And um, I want to point out how the whole book is written this way because our whole series is going to somewhat follow this structure. So if you look on the screen, you'll notice that in the center is what? The Day of Atonement. It's a day to remember God forgives our sins. So at the beginning and the end of Leviticus, then you're going to see the topic of rituals. So ritual sacrifices at the beginning, ritual feasts is at the end. And then the next chapters coming closer to the center are about the priests, the ordination of priests, then the holiness of priests. Then the chapters closer to the center are about purity, ritual purity, and moral purity. But the center is about God's Forgiveness. Isn't that amazing? The center of the Torah and the center of the whole Torah is that God forgives us. So the central idea of the central book of the Torah is that we're called to be holy. We're called to be holy, unique, different from others, set apart. Now that's easier said than done. So how can we be holy? Leviticus helps us learn how to be holy. So today, what I want to do is I want to look at seven ways as an introduction that Leviticus helps us to become holy, and we'll see how it's fulfilled in Jesus. So by the way, I'm going to be preaching a whole sermon on each of these points, and we're going to really dig in. But I want to give you a, a broad picture as an introduction. So the first way, so we're called to be holy. The first way Leviticus helps us in our calling to be holy is by calling us into fellowship with God. So Leviticus begins by looking at these ritual sacrifices. And we see five different ritual sacrifices. The, the burnt offering as a way to say, I, I'm fully committed to you, God. The sin and the guilt offerings are a way of saying, I'm sorry for my sin. The grain, the peace offerings uh, are a way to say thank you and come, to come into fellowship. And the Hebrew word for sacrifice simply means to bring close. Isn't that interesting? The word in Hebrew means to bring close. So a sacrifice is an offering or what the Bible calls a gift that helps us come close. Now, I don't know about you, but you come to the opening parts of Leviticus and you start to scratch your head and you think, animal sacrifices, what is this all about? We haven't done this for so long. But we often... Uh, But the reality is we often, even in our day, bring an offering or bring a gift in order to bring a relationship closer together. So, for example, if uh, you do something wrong to someone and that when you do something wrong, the relationship distances itself. How do you repair that distance? You bring a gift to that. Uh, so for example, a husband does something, you know, that hurts his wife. Uh, he's going to try to repair by offering maybe some flowers and that's a, that offering can sometimes bring a repair and bring that relationship closer. And sometimes we offer gifts just to say thank you. And when we give a gift as a thank you, that also brings the relationship closer. And that's the whole idea of the sacrificial system. It's a system that brings us close into fellowship with God. 
And there's a whole rhythm to the, to the sacrifices. You begin by offering uh, your sacrifice, like a, a burnt offering saying, I give myself to you, God. You bring a, a sin or guilt offering. You say, I'm sorry for my, for my sins. And then you bring a peace offering, which is a way to say, thank you for forgiving my sins. And the end of that process is you have a big party together. You come into fellowship with God, you come close to God. You com- when we commit our lives to God, say we're sorry, thank him for his forgiveness, these are ways of becoming holy. The second way Leviticus helps us to be in our calling to be holy is by becoming priests. So in this next section, we're going to see the ordination of the priest, particularly Aaron and his sons, and how God uh, makes them holy. And, um, you know, I have to point this out because it's so interesting. If you think about it, why wouldn't God make Moses the high priest? Why Aaron? I mean, do you remember the context Do you remember Exodus? God commanded Israel not to make any idols, but what's the first thing that they do? They make a a golden calf idol. But who makes it? Aaron! Aaron is the one who makes the golden calf. So Aaron leads Israel into sin, yet it's Aaron who's called to be the high priest. I think that's incredible news for us. What it means is you don't, need to, you don't have to be morally perfect. You don't have to do everything right in order to be called into the priesthood. Aaron was called high priest because God called him high priest. He called a sinful man. That caused the whole nation to fall into idolatry. Yet God calls him to be the high priest. Isn't that amazing? The third way Leviticus helps us in our calling to be holy is through the celebration of life. Uh, That's what I call this section. This section of Leviticus can feel baffling. Uh, You see words like clean and unclean over 177 times. Unclean things, clean things. And we're going to see these ritual purification laws. There are certain animals that are clean, and there's all these other animals that are unclean. Uh, And there are laws about touching blood, and you can't touch skin diseases, and you can't touch mildew on your shirts or on a house. And there are laws about all these bodily discharges, and everybody's scratching their head in this section. But it is beautiful. What's it all about? See, these are all symbols. And we're going to look at more closely at that in that sermon. Touching blood, skin diseases, and mildews, mildew does not make you sinful. They're symbols. And these symbols are making a distinction between life and death. Blood symbolizes life. But spilled blood symbolizes death. They are symbols of life and death. Skin disease, mildew, what do they do? They rot things. They decay things. They're symbols of things dying. So these ritual purifications are symbolic. They're a powerful way of saying that God is the giver of life. And we're called to be holy. And one way we make ourselves holy is is by celebrating life. 
The fourth and central way we're called to be holy is through the forgiveness of sins. God already knows that we're sinful. He knows we're going to do wrong things. That's why the Day of Atonement is central. The central way we become holy is through confession of sin and receiving forgiveness. And God symbolizes our forgiveness in a very powerful way, which I can't wait to teach on. The Day of Atonement. Um, we'll, We'll spend a whole sermon on this, but let me briefly highlight it. So one day a year, the nation of Israel is called to confess. It's a somber day and receive God's forgiveness. It's called the Day of Atonement. It's a day when the high priest takes two goats and then the high priest lays his hands on the two goats, therefore imputing the sin of the whole nation onto the two goats. The first goat was called the Lord's goat that was sacrificed. And the blood from that goat is then taken into the Holy of Holies. And the high priest sprinkles it on the the atonement cover as a a symbol of saying that all your your sins, they're covered over. God can't even see them. And then there's a second goat called the scapegoat that is then released into the wilderness. And that is a powerful symbol uh, saying that all of our sins are removed from us. They're gone. We can't even see them. It is a very powerful symbolic ritual that helps Israel see that their sins are forgiven. And that's what God does. And we're going to see it ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. And it's the central way of becoming holy. Now, the fifth way Leviticus helps us in our calling to be holy is through obedience to his will. So God says, consecrate yourself, make yourself holy, therefore, and be holy. And one of the ways is through the keeping of his statutes, our laws, our rules, our commandments. And to do them, I am the Lord. He's the one who makes you holy. And the center of this section is the command to love your neighbor. And um, the whole idea is that they were not to do the practices that the cultures around them were doing. And the center of that call is to love, to love their neighbor, care for the poor, honor sexual integrity, do social justice, The sixth way that Leviticus helps us in our calling to be holy is through the holiness of the priests. And we're going to see God uh, says to Moses that uh, you shall make yourself, uh, uh, that you shall sanctify him, the the priest, and he shall be holy to you. For I am the Lord and the one who makes him holy, makes you holy. I, the Lord, am the one who makes the high priest holy. I make the priests holy. God makes priests holy because, and because the priests are holy, they're called, God calls priests to a higher level of holiness. And then the last section of Leviticus, uh, the seventh way that Leviticus helps us in our calling to be holy is by calling us to engage in ritual feasts. And I love this section. I love every section, by the way. Um, The rhythm, God, it's God who calls us into rhythm and rituals. And these rhythms and rituals help us remember God's goodness, how he saves us, delivers us, rescues us. And so God calls them into, the, into 
a rhythm of weekly and annual ritual feasts. He calls them to weekly feast of the Sabbath. He calls them to annual ritual feasts like the, the Passover that happens on Monday, Thursday. And we've looked at the Passover as a community. And then we're going to look at the feast of, uh, I don't mind if you keep that on the screen, the feast of first fruits. We're going to see that on Easter Sunday, and you're going to see why. That there is, there's only one day Jesus could have risen from the dead. It is incredible what's happening here. We're going to look at the Feast of Weeks on Pentecost, the Feast of Trumpets. We're going to look at, at the Day of Atonement in this series, and also the, the Feast of the Booths and Tabernacles. And all these rhythms and rituals make, made them holy. They made them holy. The practice, practicing these things set them apart from everybody else. Everybody else didn't do these things. And so the central idea of the central book of the Torah is that you are called to be holy. <laughs> you are called to be holy. And how do we become holy? Leviticus shows us how. And Leviticus shows us how because Leviticus fundamentally points to Jesus Christ. And we're going to see this throughout the series, but I just want to highlight this right now. Jesus is the one who fulfills Leviticus. He's the one who says, I have not come to abolish the law. The law is the first five five books of the Torah. Leviticus is the center book. He goes, I have have not come to abolish Leviticus. I've come to fulfill it. (laughs) And so we see this. We can now enter God's presence because of Jesus. He actually fulfills all those ritual sacrificial system because Jesus is the sacrifice. Because of his sacrifice, we then can have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Jesus is our high priest, and he uh, ordains us as priests, as you're going to see, because we are, co- we are being built up to be a, pr- a holy priesthood. And you're going to see that when, you look, when, you, when we look at the ordination of the priests and see our calling into priesthood, it is just going to be um, very amazing and empowering. Jesus makes unclean things clean. He fulfills the ritual purification laws. He actually does the unthinkable. He stretched out his hand and he touched a man who was a leper. You would never do that. And instead of becoming unclean, he makes the leper clean. He does this with with a woman who has a bleeding problem, who becomes clean. He touches dead coffins and a young boy who's dead raises to life. He makes unclean things clean. And remember, unclean things are symbols for death. Jesus turns death into life because he's the one who gives abundant life. In him was life. And he came that we may have life and have it not just like okay life, but abundant life. He gives us eternal life. And it's Jesus who forgives our sins, not just one one day a year, but once and for all, Jesus was offered for an all-time single sacrifice for our sins. Jesus also calls us to keep his commandments. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And the most important commandment is to love. 
And that's why when, some, when one of the teachers of the law, the teachers of Leviticus, asked Jesus, well, what's the most important command? He says, love the Lord your God and love who? Your neighbor. Love your neighbor. That's a quote from Leviticus. And Jesus, we just see him living out this life of loving his neighbor. And then Jesus is the one who makes us holy. And he, he fulfills the holiness of the, the priests. And, and we see this when he prays to his holy father for our holiness. And this is he's praying for us, right? Make Sunset Church holy by your truth. And I will give myself as a holy sacrifice to them. Why? So that Sunset Church can be made holy. <laughs> And then Jesus gives us new rhythms and rituals. Not only did he celebrate ritual feasts, he celebrated all of them, but he fulfills them. And he fulfills the ritual feasts. And then, and then his birth and his baptism and life and death and resurrection and ascension then become these new weekly and annual rhythms and rituals that help us remember how much God loves you, how he saves you. Leviticus teaches us how to be holy. But fundamentally, we become holy by God's work and Jesus as a gift. So friends, if there's one thing I want you to remember today and throughout the series, you are called. You are called to be holy. You're called to be holy. You are not called to be ordinary. You're not called to be common. Just like everybody else. You're called to be holy. And you're called. Uh, to be different. To be distinct. To be a light, to be unique, to be set apart. Friends, you are called to be holy. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible call on our lives. And we thank you that we don't have to come up with holiness, that you, through Jesus Christ, are the one who makes us holy. So would you fill us with your Holy Spirit throughout this whole series that we could taste a glimpse of your holiness so that we could become holy as you are holy. For we pray it in Jesus' name and all God's people said.